This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 14th of July, 2011. Email productivity. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy. It's been a while since we've spoken. About a month, I think. Yeah, that's right. And today we've been talking about something which we both use every day and lots of people on the internet use every day, which is email. And we haven't really done a podcast about this before, but we figured it was about time and also email is 40 years old uh, this year. So it's, uh, it's become something that a lot of people think of as old technology on the internet and yet it's something that people still use every, every day and uh, lots of people like it and um, many more people don't like it and they feel overwhelmed by it. Absolutely. This guy, Dan Tynan, uh, wrote an article in IT World recently, which he entitled Seven Days in Email Hell, and it was all about his efforts to try and get his inbox under control. He receives hundreds of emails a day, and he just can't get through them all, and as a consequence, he had some twenty to 30,000 unread emails in his Gmail account. And so he spent seven days trying to get on top of that, but he went about it uh, completely the wrong way. He tried to process each and every email individually, and that included replying to spam in some cases. So we're going to come up uh, with uh, a few principles and some practical tips for you today that don't involve uh, sending yourself to email hell. Yeah, that's right. And, and there are lots of people who have got lots of different email tips and email productivity tips. So these are ours, and they're really based around the idea that email doesn't have to be something that you that you hate and that you despise, but it's something that can you, really work well for you and work effectively for you. Absolutely. And so the first thing that you need to do is change your mindset, and that is not to think of your incoming email as a bad thing. It's something that's uh, creates a hell for you. Um, so the problem isn't actually with the email itself. It's with the kind of email that you get and the way that you perceive it and the way that you manage it. And the different kinds of email that we get include bad email like unwanted spam and chain letters, unnecessary sorts of email where people have thought that you need to be CC'd on a particular thread where it's actually not relevant to you and just waste your time having to read it and process it, or e-zines that you've subscribed to but you actually never get round to reading so they don't offer you any value and they detract from your productivity because you have to process them in some way, or notifications that you get from various social media platforms that you might be members of like notifications from Facebook or LinkedIn, and uh, some of those unproductive emails that you might get from friends who think that you share, they sh- that you share their sense of humour. They send you various jokes and funny images. I do that myself, actually, <laughs> or members of your staff uh, just checking in and letting you know what they've been up to, uh, and, uh, and and not not having to do that because you haven't delegated uh, their tasks very well. So that's the bad email, and then there's the way that you actually perceive your email, the way that you think of it. So. One of the big problems, the key problems that we think is that people think of email as something that is an immediate communications channel, that they've actually got to deal with it as soon as it arrives, whereas in fact email, by its design, is actually a deferred communications channel. So the email gets sent, you receive it at some later point of time, you don't have to deal with it immediately, you can deal with it later. So whenever an email arrives, you really need to ask yourself, do I need to deal with this immediately? Uh, because it might not necessarily be important and it should never be urgent. Uh, and finally, uh, there's the way you actually manage and react to email that you receive. So uh, many people do react to it immediately. So what they end up doing is um, working according to other people's priorities rather than their own. 
Um, and we keep checking for it. So if you've got notifications turned on, you receive a distraction whenever email arrives, uh, rather than checking for email when you're ready to do, uh, ready to do it and doing it on your own time. And finally, uh, you manage it poorly. Uh, you can feel overwhelmed by it. You can end up like Dan Tynan with tens of thousands of unread emails that uh, uh, make you feel that you are overwhelmed. And finally, you could be the problem yourself. You could be sending emails that are uh, deleterious to other people's productivity. Yeah, that's quite a good summary of the problems, Chris. So, <laughs> so we're going to actually get into some really specific things that you can do and some really specific email tactics. But let's start off with some some productivity principles. First of all, just keep in mind that your inbox, your email inbox, is not about your priorities. It's about other people's priorities. So stop being their slave and take control of your life first. So that's the first thing. Don't think of your inbox as your to-do list because that's other people's to-do list, in fact. The second thing, Chris, you've already mentioned, that emails for deferred, not immediate communication. So if you're getting into this state of sending emails back and forth or thinking that you have to respond to a reply to everything immediately, don't. So stop reacting and start responding, which is a very different mindset. And the third thing is that people think of email as being their main communication channel and just remember that it's just one of many communication channels. So sometimes you just stop. Like don't send email anymore. Use some, something else instead. So those three principles are it's other people's priorities, it's deferred, not immediate communication, and it's just one of the communication channels. Yeah, okay. So the next section we're going to discuss, uh, you've labelled clean out the pipes, Gihan, and it's all about trying to eliminate the negative aspects of your email and your inbox. So did you want to kick off with the, the first one of those? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got five things here, and we look for five words starting with you, and we found four, and then one, one starting with the high. <laughs> so we almost got there. The first thing is unnecessary email. So as you said, email newsletters we never read, notifications from services like Facebook and LinkedIn. So those are, in some ways, the easiest things for you to handle, because all you do is if you don't read the newsletter, just cancel the, cancel the subscription. Um, and if the newsletter doesn't give you a way of cancelling it, um, have some way of filtering it so that when it arrives, it just gets junk straight away. It's fairly easy to do, and you do it once, and then you never see those emails again. Similarly, with things like Facebook, Twitter now, and, and LinkedIn, they, by default, will send you various notifications. But you don't have to uh, receive them, so you can turn off almost all your Facebook notifications. With LinkedIn, you can turn off notifications. You can even specify the frequency at which you get them. So if you join a LinkedIn group, for example, you can say whether you want to get emails as, they, as they're generated or once a day or once a week or not at all. Um, so you've got some control over that, and these are easy things for you to turn off. So, so go into those services, so just log into those websites and just turn off all that email uh, I know there are people who complain about how much email they're getting from these services, but it's very, that's completely under your control and the easiest thing for you to be able to, to eliminate. Yeah, so the second kind of negative email is probably the one that we're most familiar with, is the unwanted spam. Uh, that's uh, those bulk, unsolicited emails that uh, clog up our inboxes. These days, pretty much all email clients come with their own spam detection filters. So if you haven't turned them on already, start using them. If uh, you haven't got it at the point of your email client, then many ISPs also provide email filtering as well, uh, spam filtering as well. And it's got to the point these days where, whereby spam filters are so effective that we're actually starting to see a decline in the volume of spam that's being sent annually. There's several reasons for that, but 
Certainly, the improved effectiveness of spam filters has been cited as one of the reasons for the the, the, uh, the actual diminution of the volume of spam that's being sent. So get rid of those uh, those unwanted spams, just get them sent straight to a spam folder by using automatic spam detection filters. Yeah, look, at the other point I'd make about that is that we're talking about email productivity here, and although spam does fill up your email and it forces you to delete those messages, that's not really the biggest productivity problem that people have. So, yep, absolutely figure out a way to delete your spam, but understand that that's just deleting that alone. It'll reduce the amount of email, but not the amount of email that you have to actually handle. So some of these other ideas are going to be are still going to be important. So the third one we're talking about is inappropriate email or misdirected email. And when you think about inappropriate email, you're generally thinking about people uh, gossiping or, or worse. So we're definitely talking about that. So we should definitely not have those sort of email uh, those sort of things passed around by email, but really what we're talking about broadly is email that can be handled by other channels and should be handled by other channels. So things, there, there are things that should never be sent by email because they're inappropriate. And there are things like gossip or things that you don't want to put in writing and you just forget that email is writing, but there are other things as well. So a number of newsletters now allow you to also subscribe to an RSS version of them. And whenever possible, if I go to a website and I like what uh, and I like the site, and if they've got an email newsletter and an RSS version, uh, which is a blog basically, then I would much rather subscribe to the blog because it doesn't clog up my incoming email. So that's one thing you can do. So look around for all the newsletters that you subscribe to, all the other services like, say, Google Alerts, and just figure out whether you can get an RSS version of it as well uh, or as an alternative and then choose that instead because it means that it comes to through another channel and doesn't clog up your inbox. Absolutely, and the next negative kind of email worth cleaning out are those unproductive messages that people send you. So an example of that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned earlier, things like jokes or funny images, uh, people sending around forwarding chain letters that they've been sucked into sending to everybody in their, um, in their, in their address list, or members of uh, your team checking in with you by, because uh, things haven't been delegated properly. For example, thinking that you need to be CC'd on a particular message about something they're doing at work when actually what they're doing isn't particularly relevant to you at that particular point. So those irrelevant CCs where people have erred on the side of caution and thought, well, let's CC absolutely everyone involved in this project to tell them about a minor activity that they might be involved in. So the remedy here is to ask people to stop. Um, and a good example of that, Gihan, is I used to be one of those people who emailed around jokes and time wasters. Um, I had a blog, I still have a blog called I Know Fun, I used to forward the contents of that blog uh, to various people who I thought shared my sense of humour, and then one day you asked me to stop. And uh, by this time, RSS web feeds were well established, so following on from stopping sending you that, I also set up uh, means for people to use sub- subscribe to a web feed. I pointed everyone to the web feed, and those people who did actually share my sense of humour... Uh, only a handful of people, as it turned out, subscribed to the web feed rather than me wasting their time by sending them stuff they perhaps didn't want clogging up their their inbox. And the other thing is chain letters. Uh, a lot of people get sucked into forwarding chain letters, and they're just they're complete um, furfies. And there are websites dedicated to uh, debunking this kind of nonsense. So whenever I receive a chain letter, I typically reply to the sender, uh, usually well-meaning, but uh, and, and point out to them sites like hoaxbusters.com and snopes.com, which lets them informs them that they should check the source of these chain letters before they forward to them to everybody that they know. 
Yeah, look, actually, that's quite interesting, Chris, because when you started talking about I Know Funny, I can't remember telling you to stop, but obviously I must have. What did I say? Did I say, uh, politely, please don't send this to me? I'd, I'll read it on your blog. Is that what I said? Uh, no, you, uh, similar to that, you, you were polite, as you always are, Kihan. But by this time, uh, there was a, a web feed available, which is automatic with uh, blogger blogs. So you'd subscribe to the web feed, I think, or you told me you'd subscribe to the web feed. And, yeah, so that triggered me triggered me to just bring that web feed to everyone else's attention and, and ask them if they want, if they really do want this stuff, to subscribe to the web feed. So, yeah, you were polite about it. You said you were reading the web feed instead, and that's exactly uh, one of those switching channels that you've done. So the previous point about switching channels uh, is exactly right. Subscribe to someone's blog's web feed. Don't get it sent to you by email. Mm, uh, I guess another polite way of uh, avoiding this sort of mess- uh, this sort of email is if, if you don't have an alternative available, is simply to say, look, I'm just getting I'm getting swamped with email, so I'm trying to reduce my amount of email, so I'm trying to eliminate as much personal email as possible, so please don't send personal messages. Yeah. And so that's one thing you could do. So then that actually leads on to uh, uh, last of the five ways to, to eliminate the negatives, and that's unimportant email, or we should say less important, because we're not talking about only things that are uh, completely unimportant, a complete waste of time, but they might be less important. So things like newsletters that you do read, but that you read occasionally, and some other notifications that you want to, you still want to be notified, but they don't have to be a high priority. And if possible, well, the the two things that you could do here, one is you could filter them, so automatically uh, set up your email program to filter, so that as the email comes in, it automatically goes into a specific folder. So you can do that by subject line, for example. And one of the tricks that I use is whenever I subscribe to a newsletter, I have a particular email address that I always use for this for that subscription. And it's simply just ezines at firststep.com.au or ezines at gihanperera.com. And I subscribe to all my email newsletters that way and set up Microsoft Outlook so that any email coming to that address uh, automatically gets filtered into a reading folder so that all my newsletter subscriptions go into that reading folder automatically and then I can look at that at, at my leisure. So it's, it's important but less important than some of the other email. And there are other tricks that you could do as well. There are, uh, I mentioned earlier that LinkedIn allows you to get a digest. So you can say, give me a weekly summary of all the emails that have come through um, on a, for a particular group. So I could read them um, in one, so I'd get one email for them, which is a long email, but I'd rather get that than be interrupted by lots of emails coming through during the week. So if you've got unimportant or less important email, there are ways that you could filter it so that it doesn't clog up your inbox and doesn't clog up your attention so that uh, it's a lower priority. Yeah, I just thought of a third way of um, dealing with these kinds of less important email messages, Gihan, and that is to convert those mailing list subscriptions into RSS web feeds. So I've used sites like nabble.com and mailarchive.com, I think they're both called, uh, whereby I I subscribe uh, a special email address from those websites to the mailing list, and that automatically creates... Um, an archive on those websites that supplies a RSS web feed that I can then subscribe to in Google Reader. Those are typically for newsletters that I don't want to um, publish to, so I'm really just reading them and consuming them and I don't contribute to them um, very much. So that's a third third, uh, trick, converting them to a different kind of channel. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's a really good one. So so we've talked about this idea now of eliminating the bad emails. So... 
if you do, if you put these ideas into practice, then what you should end up with is an inbox that's got less of the bad stuff and more of the, the relevant stuff that you do have to handle. So let's move on to, like, how do you actually process that email? And there's this idea that's been floating around for a few years. Chris, you might have come across it called Inbox Zero which is the idea that you should always have an empty inbox. And it's something that I subscribe to as well. So 90% of the time, well, getting close to 100% of the time, if you op- if I open up Outlook and look at my inbox, the actual inbox alone itself, there will be nothing in it. And so it's nice to be in that position. It's like having an empty in-tray on your desk or even just having a clean desk rather than having it cluttered. And I recently read an article by Steve Robbins, who's a productivity expert, and he wrote an article which was kind of... Uh, challenging this idea. He talked about the dangers of focusing on an empty inbox because of one of the principles we talked about earlier, that uh, an inbox is all about other people's priorities. And so you shouldn't really be trying to process your email to get your inbox empty because it means that you're working according to other people's timelines and and deadlines. And I kind of agree with that. I, I agree that your focus shouldn't be on your inbox. Although what I do is I still aim for an empty inbox. So the difference is that I like to empty my inbox, just like keeping, keeping a clean desk. But in the process of emptying it, I don't process my email. I simply check my email and then move it to other places and then leave the processing to later. So that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about being... Um, being tidy by having an empty inbox, but having better ways to process your email. Now, here's the thing that almost every time management or productivity expert will tell you to do if you, if you want to manage email. The first thing is check your email less frequently. So check it maybe a couple of hours into your morning, so not right at the start of your day, but a couple of hours into your morning, and then perhaps just before you go home. So check your email twice a day so that you don't keep getting interrupted by it. That's fine if you're disciplined, but not everyone is as disciplined as that. And I know that for me, I like to check my email more frequently. And maybe that's just because I'm mentally lazy, but also because I feel that things are coming in that I might have to check and I might have to manage. So the trick is check your email, but don't let it distract you from what you're doing. So there's a couple of things to do. So first of all, make sure that you're, you're in control of when you check your email. So even if you're checking it more than twice a day, turn off the automatic check that shows you when new, new email has arrived because you see that little blinking thing in the bottom right corner of your screen and you automatically just, well, it distracts you and automatically makes you want to click it. So first of all, turn off the automatic notifications. And the second thing is that when you go to check your email, make sure that you separate your checking time and your processing time. And the way you do that is you shuffle off each email message into a separate folder. And you can choose your folders, but I'll give you the examples of the folders that I use. So when I go and do a send and receive and I see all this email coming in, some email I can delete immediately, and I do, but every other email message, even if it's a trivial one that I could just simply click a very simple reply to, I will I will file off into another folder. So these are the ones that I use. I have a folder called Quickies, which is for things that will take five minutes or less for me to do. I have one called Later Today, which is going to take a little bit longer, but it, but it's something I'm going to do today. There's one called This Week, which obviously is for what's, what's happening for the rest of the week. And then I've got a few others. I've got a reading folder for my low-priority email. This is the one that the automatic emails get, uh, the newsletter subscriptions get filed into. I've got one called networking, which is social media notification. So if somebody joins a, a membership site that, I've, that I'm a member of, I get an email saying they've joined, and I find a way just so I can go and click on them later and just 
just see who they are and if I want to connect with them. But it's so I want that email coming in, but I don't need to uh, handle it straight away. And the last one, which is something that I don't, uh, well, actually, the, the last one is pending, which is generally after I send the email, I might put it into a pending, uh, put that original email to a pending folder to say that I'm waiting for someone. The, the trick is, uh, as I said at the start, is make sure that you separate your checking time from your processing time. So even something where I'm just going to respond saying, thank you, I really appreciate that, or just to acknowledge something, I will move into that quickies folder. And then uh, after after my in- inbox is empty, I can decide, have I now, uh, am I now happy psychologically that there wasn't anything that I needed to handle, or am I going to take a quick five-minute, ten-minute break and process some of the email that's come through? But my inbox is empty. I can do that with a clean mind and a clean inbox. Yeah, and and those are your uh, subfolders that, that you sort your inbox into, Gihan. And, and how people choose to do that uh, is really a matter for them, whether it's based on uh, their, their particular priorities, and it's important that it's their priorities, or the particular actions that, uh, that the emails require is really up to you. So the ones that I use are similar but different. So, for instance, I have a, a folder called Urgent, and we said earlier that email isn't for... Um, urgent communication but nevertheless some people do still use it in that fashion and so I've got a, a folder that's usually empty or only has a couple of emails in it which has um, messages in it that need to be dealt with as a matter of priority then I've got uh, a, a second sub, a second folder called respond and that uh, is where I file messages that I that have some action on my part that needs to be taken but isn't uh, a matter of priority then there's monitor which is uh, holds messages that um, are me waiting on some other person to um, to take some kind of action, and finally there's a a couple of others. Read later, which holds low priority items that don't necessarily require any response on my part. They just might be interesting emails that someone has sent to me, links and articles. And finally, newsletters is similar to that, but it's distinguished by. Um, messages that are automatically filed by the mail filters I've set up for e-zines and mailing lists and those sorts of things. Yeah, and uh, as you said, Chris, it's similar but different. And I think that one of the differences is that I've I've got some of my things organised by time. So I've got quickies today and this week, whereas you've got yours by by urgency. So you've got urgent and respond. And again, there's no right or wrong. It's just uh, we've just chosen different things based on the way that we work. Absolutely, and uh, you might come up with a completely different set, but as Gihan stressed, it's making sure that you do things according to your own priorities and that you do the checking of email separate from the actual handling and processing of it. So another idea is that after you process each message, ask yourself, how can I prevent another email like this? So some of the uh, responses might be technical, such as unsubscribing from a particular mailing list or switching to a web feed or um, responding to someone, asking them to change their behaviour, like not send send you silly jokes anymore. Or the response might be something that's a bit more strategic, like uh, doing better delegation of tasks to people in your team, or hiring a PA to handle things in, on your behalf rather than you having to handle them yourself. 
Yeah, and this is this is an idea that uh, I first heard from Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've never been the other one, First Things First, where he talked about how you, how you handle your entry. He said, okay, you do need to handle some of the stuff in your entry, but when you've got a five minutes spare, think about how could I stop this arriving in my entry next time. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's stuff that you absolutely have to do. So the answer might be, no, this is important for me. But many on many occasions, after you've handled the task, you can actually put some pressing in place that stop it from becoming urgent or from stop it from coming into your inbox at all in the future. Okay, now our last section is help other people. So, so far we've been talking about helping yourself, dealing with uh, your email in a more productive fashion, but you also send out email to other people and it affects their productivity. So here we're going to list various tips about what you need to do when you're composing and sending email uh, so that you can help others be more productive with their email habits. So I'll kick off, Kihan. The first is the first thing that you do. One of the first things you do when you compose an email is choosing a subject line. And the important thing here is that the subject line is one of the first things that uh, the recipient is going to process. So if you make that subject line as relevant as possible, then they've already got in mind before starting to read the message itself what that message is going to be about. So make it relevant. One uh, rule of thumb here is to use a complete sentence, and that can mean... uh, that can include something like a question. So if you do that, then uh, they've got a fair idea of what's coming in. The other thing is that as a message thread goes on after several rounds of uh, uh, responses and replies, uh, the subject might drift, and it's okay if the subject has drifted to change the subject line. And that can also mean uh, changing the subject line by starting a completely new message thread as well. Yeah, when you say thread, it just means starting, starting all over again to start a, yeah. start a brand new message, which is, which is really useful and rarely done, which is unfortunate. Uh, most, most people simply just reply to the old subject. In fact, I've had clients who they save one of my old emails, uh, an, an old email, so maybe from months ago, so the next time they want to write to me, they just pick up that email and then just reply to it. And it's just completely out of context. The, the original message was completely irrelevant to their new topic. So you talked about the subject line, uh, which is the first thing that people see. Well, the last thing that people see in, in an email message is what happens, at, is what they see at the bottom. It's your email signature. And I just think it's essential to include contact information in your email signature so that, and it's particularly a phone number and maybe even a website address, so that people who want to contact you, they've got options other than just hitting reply. Uh, it makes it so much easier for them if they do decide to switch channels on you, which is sometimes the most appropriate way to, to work. And it, it affects, it helps your productivity as well. If they pick up the phone and call you, they might make it into a five, they might create a five minute phone call, which would, which would have otherwise taken an hour of back and forth emails. Yeah. Another idea is to use one topic per message. So if you've got multiple topics that you want to discuss with someone, Put them into separate messages with separate subjects that are subject lines that are relevant to the particular message contents rather than bundling them all into a single message whereby if they respond, if the respondent replies to one subsection or one of the, the topics within that message, then you've got a whole lot of other guff in there and, and multiple threads spreading out with different bits of question, be, different bits of topic being answered. So keep all your topics separate so that all your message threads are neat and, and, re- and relate to a single topic themselves. 
Yep, and the next thing is don't ask obvious questions in email that you could easily find out for yourself. And Google is a great resource. And uh, so as an example, um, quite often when I promote a webinar that I'm running, I will get back a a reply from someone asking, is the time zone right? So I push it in my time zone, and they say, what time is it in my time zone? Well, that's an easy thing that you could you could look up in Google. It's it's trivial, and it doesn't really require emailing someone and interrupting them to find out. So if you're asking somebody something that is an easy thing to look up elsewhere, just don't send the email. Do the look up yourself. Another productivity killer is receiving and having to process poorly written emails. Now, these days, all email clients come with a spell checker. If you haven't turned it on, please do. The other thing that I'm sure people don't do is read their email before hitting send. Now, I always do this, and even when I've sent, even when I've reread and sent an email, I still later find mistakes that I've made. People who don't bother rereading their email to make sure it makes sense, to make sure there are no spelling and grammar errors in it, they're not really respecting the productivity of the person to whom they're sending the message. So please use your spell checker and read at, reread at least once. Uh, your message before you hit send. Yep, and another thing is just keep in mind that you've got when you're sending your, when you're writing your email, you've got something in mind. You've obviously got the topic that you're writing about in mind. But the person at the other end, when they receive it, they don't have that same context. They're doing something completely different. They may not read it for some time. So. Don't send out of context information that forces the other person to 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 uh, look around and search maybe old emails or something else to find to, so that they can fully understand your email. If you need to send, if they need to do that, make sure that you send the, that, that information in the email itself. So, for example, Chris, fairly recently, an association that I'm a member of sent me an email, um, and I won't say who it is and uh, which association it's from, but it started off by saying, you will remember an email that you received about a month ago with the subject line, blah, whatever it was. And then he goes on to say, follow the instructions in the email mentioned above. Now, there's no way that most members of the association will have saved an email that they received about a month ago with a particular subject line. And I just don't know why they they didn't either resend the content of that email or provide a link to that where that they could find it, where we could find that information on the web page. I mean, I certainly didn't have any idea about that email I received. It's an email from an association, so it's not necessarily a, a, as high a priority as an email that you might receive individually from a work colleague or a client. So it would have been a low-priority email, may have been ignored or deleted, and there's no way that you could expect that people would have remembered the content of that email. Um, it was just a complete waste of time, uh, that the second email that was sent, because I, I would be very surprised if many people took action on that except to write back and say, can you please resend me that old email, <laughs> which is what I did. Right, good. <laughs> so this idea of context is really important. So whereas uh, the message you referred to didn't provide any context at all, at the opposite end of the spectrum is uh, when people include the entire email message to which they're responding, but they just... They just include it uh, en masse, a huge block, and then they put their reply either at the very end or, or preceding that particular, the particular message that they've quoted. Uh, that makes it really hard for the recipient to get the context that the response um, is referring to. So what, uh, what, we like, what we advocate is to try and quote sparingly. So just provide enough context from the message that you're applying to, um, but no more, so that it's really easy for the reader of your message to understand the context of your reply. 
So sometimes people like to append the entire message to the end of uh, the, the, their reply. Uh, if you're going to do that, then just sprinkle bits of that message throughout your own reply so that the context is apparent and obvious. The reader doesn't have to go to the end of your message and reread uh, the, the, the thing that you're responding to in order to make sense of it. And that can be done two ways. There's, you know, the various conventions like, you know, copying and pasting and, and indenting uh, a little bit of the reply before what you say, or you can, in your response, say something like, yes, Gihan, your idea about such and such is a good idea, or it's a poor idea, usually, in your case. <laughs> yes, that's right. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> uh, so I was the one who was polite, wasn't it? Not you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, so an example of that, and you said earlier, Chris, that we'd recommend that if you're sending a, a message with multiple topics, that you send multiple emails, but, of course, not everyone will, uh, will do the same to you. So you might get an email with five points, and if you just want to reply to one, guess what you're saying is delete the other four in your reply so that only that one um, remains in the reply. That's right. Okay, so then the, the next thing is there, there's, some, there's some conventions or some guidelines that you might establish among yourselves. It's a little bit harder if you're talking about emails that you, you're sending out to groups of strangers, but if you're working with the, with the same people all the time, you can establish some sort of guidelines that just save a few seconds on each email, and that few seconds adds up over time. So, for example, one of the things that I've done with my, uh, with my help desk team is that when we send emails to each other, we will often start the subject line with FYI for, for your information, FYA for for your action, or HI, the word H-O-G-H in, in uppercase, for high priority items, just so that the other person, so for me working with Ray who runs my help desk at the moment, so she will send messages with, with those in the, in the subject, or I will in res- um, with sending messages to her. It just makes it easy for her just to look at her list of messages in her inbox and decide which ones she can just easily ignore. Um, similarly, again, this is a convention that you can establish with your team, that you say that if I send a message to you in the to field, then it means there's something for you to do there, but if it's in the CC field, it's only for your information. Um, and that's becoming more common, but again, if you're dealing with strangers, you can't rely on that. Uh, another thing that Ray and I do is uh, if Ray sends me a message that all I need to reply is to acknowledge that I've received it, but I do need to acknowledge it, I'll just reply and put the word thanks at the front of the subject line with, uh, and with nothing in the subject in the email body, and Ray knows that she doesn't have to open the email. She can just delete it knowing that I've read it. Um, I've seen an, a, another con- a couple of conventions, Chris, which I've never used myself, but I've come across this as uh, that other people have, have advocated, is if you've got a very short message, then just type it in the subject line itself and end with the letters EOM, end of message, to tell the recipient that, yep, that's all that's in the message. If you read the subject line, that's all you need. Um, or if you, do need, if you do go into a full message and you don't need a reply from the person, but they might be wondering whether they do need to reply, you could end your message with NNTR, which is no need to reply. Um, I've not done that, but uh, I've, I've heard that it's quite common. Yeah, it might be common, Gihan. I think I'd have to go and Google NNTR to find out what that meant. So it might be, in the first instance, it might be a productivity uh, killer, but I'm sure after that I'd remember what NNTR stood for. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, the two in the CC lines um, in your list of conventions there. Uh, that's a really important point. 
think about each and every recipient of uh, the, the message that you're sending, uh, and in particular whether you're going to put them on the two line or on the CC line. Think, you know, does this person really need to receive this message? Um, I've had instances where I've received messages that have been CC'd to an entire project team uh, but addressed only to me, and I, I can't really understand that. I think the person's just erring on the side of caution and wants to make sure that uh, their message is witnessed by a whole host of people, uh, but I can only think that the recipients on the CC line are going to resent having had to process that irrelevant message in the first place, so it's counterproductive. So really think hard about each and every person that... Um, is is on your message recipient list, uh, and if you hit that reply all button, take the opportunity to prune as many names uh, from the two and CC lines as you can, and I think they'll thank you for not having to, not having wasted their time. Yeah, that's a bit of a tricky one sometimes, Chris, because if if you're replying, so definitely if you're sending a message yourself, think very carefully about who you're to and CC. And if you're replying, it's it's much harder to prune sometimes because the, the person who sent the original message has deliberately, well, you, you hope they've deliberately chosen who they've CC'd it to. And so I'm very wary. So if I reply, generally I will... Um, Include the people that were originally included in that in that original email. So I'm very careful about pruning, unless it's been sent out as a mass email, and I and obviously it uh, it's not expecting uh, that the originator is not expecting replies to go to everyone, but they're expecting replies from a number of different people. So as you said, the, the real key is to think carefully about it, and it really does take a little bit of thinking. But the thinking is worthwhile because a few seconds that you take think about it can save minutes of everyone's productivity. Absolutely, yeah. And the last thing, which we kind of mentioned with the NNTR, is just end each email with a clear call to action. So tell people what you expect from them if it's not already implicit in the email. Obviously, if you're just sending them information that they don't need to reply to, then it might be very obvious. But otherwise, please tell them something like, can you please reply to points one and two? Or can you please let me know by Thursday? Or if you need any more information, please pick up the phone and call. So make it really clear what what you would like in, in return so that they know what action that you're expecting from them, which makes it easier for them to decide what to do with their email. Great, Gihan. Well, shall we wrap things up? I think we should. Yeah, well, we've got uh, lots of good advice in there in this um, podcast. And there are even some tips in, in here that uh, I've not implemented myself. So I think... Uh, ending with call to action gear, and I think we should end with a call to action as well, and that is uh, go through our podcast, listen to it, pick out some of these productivity tips that you might not already be implementing, and spend some time implementing them and seeing what advantages you gain from them, or that other people who are receiving your emails might also gain. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I have to say the last thing is email is great. Email is a wonderful tool. It's been around for 40 years and it's going to be around for a long time yet to come. So stop thinking of it as being a nuisance and a pain and the bane of your life and start using it productively and effectively and for positive, for positive means as well. Fantastic, Gihan. Well, we'll have another podcast in about a month's time, I reckon. So I'll speak to you then. Great. Thanks, Chris. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.focalpointpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to our past episodes or leave us your comments or questions. We look forward to having you back next time.